They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Season 2, Episode 15? Question mark? Yes, yes. I think. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is the March episode, so 15. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to Episode 15 of Season 2 of Doing the Nasty... Episode 15, Jesus Christ. Um, of course, this show is dedicated to looking at movies that were on the list the infamous video at Nasties list. However, season two is doing the tier three Nasties, the hodgepodge, fucking blendy, smoothie, horrible cocktail of some really good films and some really shitty films all in together. It's like a, a really unsatisfying buffet that has like sirloin steak, but also has, I don't know, like a quinoa salad. Um, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I'm not eating that. Just give me the steak. Uh, yeah, that's. I don't know where I'm going with this intro. I'm usually better than this. I'm actually a little bit upset. With myself. Are you hungry? You're, you're, you're talking about steak an awful lot. I just <laughs> ate. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a steak? You still got steak on the brain? I've li- I'm li- I ate like 10 minutes before. As <laughs> a subliminally wanted steak. Did not have steak. Did not have steak. Um, joining me as always is my co host for the entire season to the phenomenal Mark Ball. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing really good, yeah. You say hungry. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not hungry. I'm not really... This is breakfast time for me, and I'm not really a breakfast person. My, my breakfast is some caffeine mm-hmm. and a little bit of nicotine, although I don't I don't smoke the cigarettes anymore. Uh, and that's about it. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really well. This has been... Uh, it's been a really eventful fucking month since the last time you and me talked on the show. Like extremely eventful. It's always an eventful month. Like, nope. It's like everything happens. And like, and I, I, it's now at the point where, like, as a measuring pole of how fucked up society is or how well we're doing, is the month in between recording. Nope. There's always there's always something like I don't know the last year and couple months or so. It's usually like. Uh, things out in the world that are happening, like we're tired of living through unprecedented times, kind of shit. But uh, yeah, you and me both had some crazy shit personally happen in the last month. I'm sure you've talked about yours on at least one show that you've recorded since then. But you're you're gonna be a papa again. I have not actually, like, haven't. You're not. Yeah, I haven't I haven't mentioned it. No, I've not mentioned it at all on any show at all. I don't know why, to be honest with you. It's just one of those things. Where most of my shows are me recording myself, um, right. so like me then kind of quantifying that on a show, you know, it, it, it was the sort of thing where you're like, like and subscribe, check out my new podcast. Oh, by the way, going to be a dad again. Uh, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> I guess that it makes doesn't sense. quite. <laughs> like, 
Natural effect. But yeah, yeah. Um, baby number two expected in September. And you went away and became an adult. Uh, yeah, I asked my girlfriend to marry me and she said yes, which was uh, really, really fucking cool. And yeah, I'm fucking really glad she said yes. We'll have been dating in for four years this summer, so... I don't know, I had a couple people that were like, Jesus. finally, it's about goddamn time, and I had a couple people that were like, you're moving real fast, I dated my girlfriend for like 10 years before I fucking <laughs> married her, so I, I don't know, I, th- I think I'm at a good halfway point <laughs> as far as that goes, but yeah, uh, we're getting married um, October of next year, because uh, I think a lot of the venues around here for weddings were probably booked for people that canceled or delayed their weddings last year. So I think there was a lot of that mm-hmm. going on during COVID. So yeah, ours is going to be October of 2022. So that gives us enough time to, I basically just wanted it to be a big ass Halloween party. Like we'll have the wedding ceremony and whatever. And then the reception is just going to be a big ass Halloween party because it's the weekend before Halloween. So that should be fucking, that should be pretty nice. cool. That's you <laughs> yeah, that's, if I'm going to do a wedding, that's, that's how I want to do yeah. it, a big ass <laughs> Halloween party. Totally, one hundred percent. How you do it? So yeah, that's out with Mark getting engaged, um, and me and Imson, the the, the oncoming of an of another <laughs> mouth to feed in my house. Um, <laughs> another grey hair that's about to appear. Out with that. Um, not movie wise, uh, not a lot happening with me. Anything? Not happening really. With you? I went back and watched all the Conan movies since the last time we talked, which. Uh, yeah, uh, Barbarian is great. Destroyer is uh, okay, and the 2011 Jason Momoa one, not fucking bad. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I know that one. <laughs> I, yeah, it came out in 2011. The same. I'm pretty sure it's the same year that Game of Thrones started happening. So people were like, "Who the fuck is this Jason Momoa guy? This Conan movie? Nope, don't give a shit." But like, I think people really like Game of Thrones at first, but. Yeah, for whatever reason, that, mm-hmm. that Conan movie fucking flopped hard. And, uh, yeah, I went back and watched that one. It's pretty fucking good. It's super violent and full of titties and uh, exactly what I want out of a it's Conan like, movie. really all you want. <laughs> I've got a weird soft spot for Destroyer, and I know it's not a good movie, but I do love Grace Jones in it. She's I think great. Grace Jones' head headbutting people with like a steel plate on her head it's kind of fucking amazing um you know it's, it's just and like the the dude that lives in the the kind of the castle of mirrors that's wicked but just everything else is just a bit it's a bit too goofy if you know what i mean it's like the tonal shift from yeah. one to two is it's just too goofy like arnie getting like blackout drunk and punching a camel is <laughs> you know what i mean mm. It made me laugh, but at the same time, I was like, oh, that, that poor camel. <laughs> I hope it was a trained camel. Like, I know I know you can train horses to just, like, flop over like that, basically. So I assume you can with a camel, too. But, yeah. yeah that, that movie's fucking goofy as hell. There's lots of, like, Star Trek-quality mm-hmm. makeup effects and, like, sets and stuff, like, clearly built out of styrofoam, where it's like, yeah, uh, it does feel a little cheap. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, other than that, I um, I don't. I, f- I finally got around to fucking ordering the actual video nasty documentaries that kind of I think sparked this whole thing. I've never actually seen. Oh, dude, person. they are so good. Like, so like you will sit. You, you be prepared to start throwing things at your screen when you hear absolute <laughs> knob jockeys talk about nothing that they could possibly. Like the famous one is, and we use it in the intro music. Is a. Uh, 
Mary Whitehouse, who was the spearhead mouthpiece for a lot of the outrage. Um, this fucking small right. old white haired woman. Um, and that infamous quote of our, you know, basically when she's confronted with it, saying, you know, I've, I've never seen a nasty, I've never seen a video nasty. And the guy's like, well, how can you say that people, and she's like, I don't need to see a movie to know that it is bad. You know, I don't need to see it to, to know it's a danger to the community and all the rest. Just like a, a puritanical fuckwit, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> that, says, that says it all right there. Fucking watch. It just really annoys me. But then there's like there's so many like the like me, me and Andy used to have a great laugh of um, the MP guy who, who also you hear him in the club at the beginning of that. Uh, I, you know, I, I believe it affects uh, small children and dogs as if. As if dogs saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then started wearing their owner's faces. It's just fucking stupid. It's so... This movie turned my dog into Ed It's Gene. just so ridiculous. But the, the documentaries themselves are a laundry list of who's who's in the, the film uh, community. Even down to... I mean, because they, they were... I mean, you're talking... 2009, 2010, I think, is when they were done. So you've got people like Neil Marshall and stuff like that before he went on to... Be- well, he was already making movies at that point, but before he went all Hollywood. Um, and just, like, a great list of people. Stephen Thrower, um, Alan Jones, uh, uh, Kim Newman, all, all these people talking about the various different impacts. But the, the beauty of the documentary is the discs that come with it where you get all the trailers plus an introduction, which is what I use as my audio clips on here. Um, so you yeah. get, well, you basically get a film historian or critic giving you the introduction before you get the trailer for all the movies. So um, it's kind of amazing. It's, like, you're going to love them. You're going to absolutely love them. Uh, very, very difficult to get now, so I'm glad that you managed to get your hand on one of them because um, over here... You can pay silly money to get them. I, I just don't understand. Because they originally released them as kind of limited runs. And I don't know if they've ever went back through and just released them as standard ones now. So I, I don't think they have. I, I looked on Amazon first and they were all just basically yeah. unavailable. Like there wasn't even secondary sellers selling them. And I went to eBay and I found both of them for around 30 bucks a piece. So. Dude, that's not bad. They go for a lot more over here. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. there was others that were listed like super high. And yeah, those were the two cheapest. I, I started with the second one just because it's the show that we're working on right yep. now. And I don't know if we'd ever mentioned that on the show, but the the intros that you play like on the on the final version of this show, I, I don't hear. I've never heard any of those before the show comes out. So yeah, <laughs> I, I deliberately don't. I deliberately don't watch them either. Um, and the reason I don't watch them is I don't want to repeat what the you know what a critic is saying on here because um, it can sometimes colour your opinion like if you like I love Alan Jones I think Alan Jones mostly because he's a, a complete jallo head and you know he wrote, he's wrote books about he was Argento's biographer and all the rest so if Alan Jones tells me that I am going to like a movie like I will overlook things that are bad in a movie because Alan Jones told me I was going to like this movie so I try That's and avoid true. watching them but I, what I find what I find really amusing is how many times when I go to put those audio clips in I'm like we are right on the money with what this critic's saying and then other times where I'm like that we are so far off the mark <laughs> not even close <laughs> it's like <laughs> we're off in the weeds um, so I, yeah once you get a, a, a hold of it I'd be interested like the actual documentary itself is kind of amazing so um, maybe maybe even we could segue a little review of the documentary itself yeah. 
um, into like a bonus episode or something, which yeah, would be fun. I'd be down. For sure. We have two movies <laughs> this month, though, that couldn't be any more different if they fucking yeah. tried. Um, one, one forced me to look at a fucking Christmas movie in March. <laughs> <laughs> and did it twice in the same month on two which, different shows. Yeah, like literally this weekend, this uh, the day I'm recording this, I've already recorded this re- review, this movie for podcast under the stairs. Um, but we're also doing the Astrologer, aka Suicide Club, which is the name Suicide Club, Suicide Cult, Suicide Cult, yeah, Suicide Cult, yeah, Suicide Club is a completely different movie, which you should totally check out by Sion Sono. Um, but yeah, this is a. It, it, it was called The Astrologer, but they had to change its name because there's another movie from 1975 also called The Astrologer. Which, by the way, the other one popped up on fucking YouTube uh, over the weekend, and I saw somebody posting, but it might have been Doug Tilly, I think, maybe talking about it on Twitter. Uh, I really want to see the other one now, because it's also... Okay. Have you never seen the other no. one? The other one is fucking incredible. So, yeah, if you've not seen it... Just judging by the trailer, that looked a lot more along the lines of like what we were talking about last last month, yeah. or last recording of uh, the... the ma- what the fuck is it called? Massacre, Massacre Mafia style? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when I saw the trailer for that one. I was like, "Oh God damn it! Why couldn't we be watching that one? Why couldn't that one be on the fucking band list instead of the one we did end up watching?" But yeah. we'll we'll get to that. We're, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna, yeah. The, the other one is is truly incredible. So it's like it's just a weird bit of how did this movie get made cult cinema? Um, yeah, uh, is that why? I, I wonder if that's why people are talking about it because it's appeared on YouTube. Because I saw Lee Russell also. Um, also mentioned it in the last couple of weeks because I was like, oh, he's going to be watching that nasty. I was like, no, it's the other one, it's the other one. So I've got that uh, yeah. and Christmas Evil to to review on this one. Uh, and we might as well just get into I have no preference on the order this week, so I will leave it to you, Mark. What do you fancy talking about first? Oh, shit. Um, oh, God damn. Uh, got. <laughs> Let's uh, let's do the astrologer first because I feel like I got way less to say about that one. <laughs> nice, nice. Right, so we're gonna take a very short break. You're gonna hear learned, educated film critics talk about the reasons why. Um, I get a feeling this might be like a Stephen Thrower or because he likes some weird, obscure shit, or maybe a Kim Newman. So one of the two of them is gonna d- introduce this movie through different talking points. You're then going to hear the trailer when we return. Myself and Mark are discussing The Astrologer, a.k.a. The Suicide Cult, right after this. Okay, so we have uh, Suicide Cult here by James Glickenhouse. And what the hell is going on in this one? Very, very confusing film. Very ambitious film. Feels like a big-budget movie that's been squashed into a low-budget in some way or a low-budget movie that couldn't quite sustain itself. Very, very ambitious subject matter. Uh, the, the, the narrative is spread over several different continents. There's action going on in Europe, in India, and in the USA. It has the hallmarks of a film that ran into production difficulties. It's only 72 minutes long, and yet it still feels like it hasn't quite managed to tell its story. The first credit that you get at the end is the editor, which is kind of a shorthand for this was hard to cut together. So I've been intrigued to know the full story of this film and we don't know it. Jim Glickenhaus, who went on to make The Exterminator, a very, very successful vigilante movie, has never really discussed this film and apparently doesn't really like to discuss his films full stop. It's a shame because Suicide Cult is a very, very strange film. 
it's almost a sort of a Fortean times sort of uh, area of interest that we're dealing with here. It's essentially kind of mystics in the CIA is the kind of vibe. There's a branch of the American government who are exploring the use of astrology to predict people of great potential for good or great potential for evil. The film is about attempts to establish the astrological birth record of the Virgin Mary so as to predict the next birth of Christ or the, birth, the, the second coming. So many interesting and unusual ideas that it juggles with but can't quite bring together into a coherent whole. It feels as if the same director would have made a better film of it maybe five, six years later with a bit more experience uh, down the line. I'm not a devotee of astrology by a long shot. And yet I, uh, I enjoy seeing a film that takes such a, a, what is essentially, to my mind, a crackpot uh, premise and then pursues it relentlessly. I can't think of any other films that have got that plot. <laughs> so it really is kind of going out on its own. So it deserves full marks for originality, even if the project seems to have escaped and uh, run out of control. The producer is a guy called Mark Buntsman. He's also playing the lead villain of the film, a mystic called Kajurst who is living in India as a, a kind of a, almost like a kind of Manson-esque kind of cult leader. And he's quite frightening, actually. It's a really solid performance. There's a scene in the film where a CIA operative or an American government operative whose job it is to try and enter the villain's dreams, and she goes to India and he wills her to death once he works out that that's what she's trying to do. So it's like a battle of wills between different mystical forces. I'm not really sure if uh, it's going to win very many converts. One day, if it ever turned up on DVD and a decent transfer, I think people might look again. But uh, it certainly deserves points for going off the map. I haven't the faintest idea why it's called Suicide Cult. <laughs> uh, it doesn't really have anything much to do with the film. It suggests a kind of a Jim Jones setup, and the Kajurst character does have elements of Jim Jones and Manson. It was based on a, a sort of a potboiler paperback called The Astrologer, which came out in the early 70s, and the original title for the film was The Astrologer. This film, as I say, shows all the signs of having been cut together in a bit of a panic. Transitions between scenes look a little nervy and unfocused because it keeps jumping from setup to setup using solarization to affect the image in a way that makes you think, there's no need for this. It's like a stylistic device that's been added by the editor and the people in the post-production saying, We've got to find some way of making this cohere. Um, they haven't entirely succeeded, but still, it's, a, it's an interesting movie and a curious, almost kind of Oliver Stone gets mystical sort of plot, which, which deserves a bit of attention. I think the reason why it's attracted some negative attention from people wishing to censor these kinds of movies may be just that the title rang alarm bells because of the idea of there being echoes of the, you know, the then quite recent Jim Jones uh, case. And also, there are times in the film where you see what I think are special effects recreations of dead bodies, which in the film are presented as real, like Mondo footage. Yeah? But maybe that's the other reason as well. Maybe, maybe whoever watched it thought that they were looking at real kind of Mondo-style footage of, of corpses, and that might have added to the problem. Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Suicide Cult, a.k.a. The Astrologer. Let's put it the other way around just so we can keep ourselves on the straight and narrow. This is directed by James Glickenhouse. <laughs> Glickenhouse. Glickenhouse. Um, 
licking howls who went on to do the exterminator uh, which is a fucking great movie if you've never it's a total exploitation movie um kind of fucking awesome um, so if you get your hands on that get your hands on that writers are John Cameron who I believe wrote the book that this is based on uh, with the kind of screenplay adaptation by James Glickenhouse and the movie stars a plethora of people I don't know <laughs> a pack um, of nobodies a pack of nobodies um, including Bob Bird uh, Mark Buntsman James Glickenhouse who plays a spy Alison McCarthy <laughs> Oh, Mark Buntsman's the producer of the movie as well, which I think is kind of it. He plays the cult leader. <laughs> it's like I am, I, I am producer and cult leader in this movie. Um, I will have you know. Uh, so uh, I'm just checking IMDb. The Exterminator came out in 1980. So if you've never seen it before, trust me, that is a bit of exploitation cinema you need in your life, Mark. Yeah, I don't um, think I've, I don't sure. think I've seen that one. I, I remember uh, the box. I'm pretty sure, but. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you you would you would dig it quite a bit. Um, the synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb. I do love the synopsis here. It's a scientist who works for a secret government agency that studies zodiac signs finds himself against a danger, dangerous Indian cult led by a powerful enigmatic man, which is exactly what happens in this movie. What they neglected to mark in there is that the the secret government agency are actually trying to find out when um, Jesus's mother, the Virgin Mary's birthday is so they can use astrological charts to work out when the next Messiah will appear on Earth. So, I mean, yep. why not? That's, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. That's pretty much it. That, that takes 75 minutes of fucking dialogue to get us to that point. <laughs> Well, I get a feeling, I get a feeling we are going to be at slightly different, I don't, I, I'm just going to stress, I don't think this is a good movie, yeah. but I will say I was entertained from start to finish on this one. I think this is a big, huge bag of potential, completely wasted, but absolutely guff nonsense um, that, that that made me just go, what are we, like with a smile on my face, what are we doing here? Um... <laughs> Like, genuinely, it was just like, from the moment they were like, yes, we are a secret government organisation who studies astrology and the zodiac signs to it. It was like, it's so far ahead of its time as well. Not astrology. That's backwards and, you know, nonsense. But, like, so far ahead of its time in terms of the concepts it's putting forward from a sci-fi point of view. Because this is like Minority Report to an extent, because what they're basically saying is by checking someone's charts so to speak you can anticipate what sort of life they'll lead which i found like surprisingly you know ahead of its time conceptually and then the second thing is it's basically inception there's a scene where a, where an agent goes into someone else well, goes into the cult leader's dreams which does not fare out well for her but she goes into the cult leader's dreams to uh, manipulate his reality to make him essentially change the direction he's going and I was like this is like 75 like <laughs> I understand Minority Reports that's, I think that's based on a Philip K. Dick so it probably was out by then but the fact that they've brought that in here as a concept plus the idea of you know manipulation through your subconscious are all really lofty kind of ideas conceptually speaking to bring into a movie the idea of a, like a secret government organisation who are trying to essentially control the world 
through this formula. Once again, really highbrow concept, and all that stuff I thought was kind of amazing if they just paid it off. And I think that's where the movie... The movie is not long. <laughs> and this is like the first movie in a while I'm like that. Just tag 15 minutes on and explain some more shit, please. Or at least tie it up. Because it sets out all these these ideas and all these kind of stalls, so to speak, for the narrative. And it, it doesn't really tie up. In fact, it ends surprisingly abrupt um, in a way which was just like, huh? End the post-credit? No, fuck me. Okay, then. Um, you know, there was a lot of that going around. I I found it weirdly... There's a kind of TV movie quality about the cinematography. Yeah. Kind of like something you would have seen like on the Six Million Dollar Man, especially with those the, the kind of transition screens with the, you know, the, the date... Uh, being kind of tight oh, or yeah, something. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> which is which is clearly put in there because this movie feels so disjointed. They're clearly there to as a way to make the movie fit. You know, like it's like there's like a hundred different scenes here and no way to actually narratively make them fit in post. So they're just like that. Let's just use title cards with the date. Yep, that'll work. So none of the scenes really tie into themselves. In fact, if anything, I think if you remove those title scenes um, in between, it would be incredibly disjointed to know exactly what's happening and when it's happening and where it's happening. Because we are all over the globe. We're in we're in India, obviously. Um, we are in you know America, obviously. But there's scenes shot in Europe as well. There's also this weird kind of. I mean, my guess that my guess to the reason it's on the nasty list, if I was to take a, a punt at it, is because it feels like there's some kind of faces of death sort of mondo footage in the middle with those kind of bloated bodies in the in the river. Yep. And I'm not sure if that's part of me wants to think that that's you know someone has shot dummies in a river. But then knowing, I kind of don't think so. I the kind that the kind of blow on them. The, the way that they're, they're bloated out kind of looks yeah. like dead bodies in a river uh, which would make sense I mean that's that's essential why a ton of movies were banned in the UK um, and it's only a small section in here that you know I mean it's probably not pernicious enough to merit a tier 1 or tier 2 it's probably landed on tier 3 because you have to slog through quite a bit of this movie before that appears but yeah I mean conceptually speaking and story wise I had, I had, I hate to say it, I had a ball with this movie. I just thought it was so fucking nutty and so bonkers and so out there and so just like really, like really swinging for the fences with everything it did and it just clearly doesn't have the budget, clearly doesn't have the expertise and doesn't have the script to necessarily pull it all together. But by God, it's Glickenhouse, Glickenhouse uh, is out there trying his hardest to do something completely different. I, I, I can't think of any movie I've ever seen that does what this movie does. Like, the only thing I thought that kind of came close to expect was something like Scanners that we talked about um, recently with the idea of, like, a government organisation using psychic abilities and a way to affect the world. There, kinda, there was kind of that sort of element in here, but just, like, on a more kind of... Like a TV movie. Well, this feels like it could have been like a mini series, like V or something. You know, like there's that much scope to it. They just don't have a way of bringing it all back in together. And I will tell you this: 
I there was a couple of performances I quite enjoyed here. I, I enjoyed Bob Bird in this one who plays Alexi, which is what his wife said she can't just say his name every time. Alexi. <laughs> um, literally, like it's the first time she's learned to say it phonetically. Um, like I thought he was good. I thought uh, Buntsman as the as the cult leader. He's fucking brilliant. Like, cause he is totally one hundred percent Jim Jones in it, which is weird because Jonestown hadn't happened at this point. So, you know what I mean? Like seventy five, uh, the I think they were maybe in Guyana, but like they hadn't they hadn't killed themselves yet. Um, so yeah, like I, I liked his performance, and it's trippy and it's weird, and some of it works really well and some of it doesn't work at all, but. By God, was I entertained! Like I, I could not take my eyes off the screen while watching this. Partially through complete confusion, <laughs> I'll put my cards down. I was a bit confused for quite a bit of this movie, and also kind of because I was like, "This, there's so many elements in here that are just so ahead of its time." Like for '75, they are doing things that, like only science fiction movies are now kind of tackling, and movies, and they were they were attempting it back. No, so I mean, yeah, I like it is not a good movie. It is trash, um, <laughs> I, you know what I mean. I, I, but at the same time, I was I was completely in till it finished. And I was like, is that how you're going to end it? Looking house, I'm looking at you. Is that how we're ending this movie? Can just do something a bit more. No, I was just finishing it there. Right, cool, awesome. And then they fuck credits. Um, so <laughs> uh, that was my taking. I have a sneaky suspicion, and this is why I said on the podcast under the stairs show this week, I had a sneaky suspicion that maybe you wouldn't like this movie. So with that in mind, the floor is yours. What did you make of Suicide Cult? So Suicide Cult, which is a <laughs> stupid fucking title because there's barely a fucking suicide cult in this movie. I think that's pretty much the extent of it is like the fucking gross fucking Mondo footage that pops up in this thing twice because yeah. they, they, they bought it from some fucking weirdo in some fucking country. And yeah, I get the <laughs> I get the real strong impression that those are real dead bodies. And the bloat. Look on them, look like they're, they're you know someone would have to spend a bit of time. Yeah, burnt, and that dude's like missing his fucking face, and like one of them's like a kid, and it's oh yeah. man, that fucking like there's a woman's titties which are all like like buoyant, not in a way that it feels natural, <laughs> as in a way which feels like they've been in there for a while. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was yeah. fucking gross, and yeah, it's almost definitely why there, there's like a stabbing in the middle of this, which is I think kind of a fake out, but uh, it's also mm-hmm. like fair. I don't know, it's the chick that stabs herself kind of deal. Um, yeah, well, that's in the psychic vision as well. Which when I was watching that, I was like, "What are we doing? This is amazing!" <laughs> Yeah, that, like, you cannot control me. I shall control you. It's, it's definitely has yes, a couple, couple, couple video nasty kind of moments, and yeah, I'm sure that's why it was why it was banned. And it also kind of looks like they're fucking on the album or the the cover art for this too. <laughs> Uh, so that might have had something, and and just the name, the astrologer. I mean, it's got like a cult kind of implications, I think. So I mean, any any stuff like that, I'm sure the censors looked down on. Uh, but yeah, as far as this movie goes, I, I agree with with a lot of what you said. This this is uh, I I would call this movie dense. This actually took me one and a half times to get through this movie because I got like. <laughs> 
25, 30 minutes into it the first time, and I was just like, I don't have a fucking clue what is going on in this goddamn movie, so I just turned it off and came back to it yesterday and watched it the whole way through, and I was like, there is so much fucking dialogue in this movie. I think they took, like, mm. probably a fucking really thick novel and condensed it down into an 80-minute movie, and... Uh, yeah, the ending is extremely abrupt and doesn't really fucking resolve anything. Like, yeah, this was uh, this is a rare time where I was like, you guys could have fucking huddled up in the middle and like given us another five minutes at the end of this fucking thing to like kind of uh, have some post credit text or something they, might they, work. They don't, they don't do that. Uh, something. Uh, I, I thought the transitions were super fucking goofy and they gave me the impression they're like, well, they knew how to work one button on the fucking switchboard at the local access TV station where they edited this goofy fucking movie. So they're, damn it, they're going to use it kind of deal. Um, yeah, a lot of the cinematography and stuff like, man, you can really tell they had no fucking clue what they were doing when they shot this thing. Like, there's... There's just like zero consistency. I don't know. Like the f it's it's really more in the film stock and the lenses that they use that make it look like a TV movie. Like it reminded me of Mansion of the Doomed from last year. It's just got that like soft kind of look to it. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like mm. the actual like cinematography and editing in this thing is like about as fucking amateurish as they come. Like there's like like off-center shots like no no coverage like the camera just doesn't move through a lot of it it's just like sitting there on a fucking tripod which george romero can get away with but these dipshits that didn't know what they were doing can't uh and yeah i was just bored fucking shitless through a lot of this just bored to goddamn tears with a lot of this and uh, the the cast, I think, has a lot to do with that. I, I find all of these people boring and unappealing. Bob Bird feels like they just knew some dude's dad <laughs> and stuck him in the fucking movie because he's he's just like wooden as hell. And and the dialogue <clears throat> the dialogue doesn't help because so much of it is just this big lofty scientific and philosophical shit that like. I really wish I had subtitles for, but uh, I watched this on YouTube, so I got the auto-generated subtitles, which, oh boy, <laughs> that, mm. that computer had no fucking clue what these people are talking about in this movie, so, um, yeah, I don't know, man, I, I would never watch this movie again, for sure, it was it was, it was not good, it, it reminded me, since I haven't brought Mystery Science Theater up in a while, there's an episode of that that reminded me a lot of this called Parts, the Clonus Horror which is about mm. like uh, like a clone farm, basically. It was really similar. It has is big, lofty sci-fi like philosophical ideas done on a ten dollar budget, and it's just not satisfying at all. Yikes! <laughs> I I, th I think that's about all I got to say. You you can, in my opinion, y'all can skip this fucking one. It's not very good. <laughs> So you're, what you're telling me here, Mark, is that Severin have just put out... A, I, th I think they actually put out last year or the year before. You are not buying this. Oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Run far away. <laughs> I mean, this isn't the worst oh, thing. This is far oh, from the worst thing we've watched on this show. Oh, God, This yeah. was, like you said, this is not a good movie. It's not. No, 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 no. Like, And don't take my like listeners out there... Don't take my general buzz of excitement about how 
how much is going on in this movie as a reason to go out and buy it. I think you should. I, I, I think you should see it. I'm glad I saw it. I'm, you know, I would watch this again, but there's a see this part of me that like, like there was a couple of elements in here that I like. If I was doing like, um, if I was doing uh, like a month on cults uh, or cult leaders in horror cinema, I would include this one because I think he's a. I think as a cult leader in a horror movie, he is surprisingly good in the part. It's just the surrounding movie is... Like, you know... The thing is, you know what you're getting into in the first five minutes of this movie when it is all dialogue and they're talking about star signs. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yes, our secret government organisation studies star signs and the Zodiac. And you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking really? Um, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's not... It's, I mean, I, I, I couldn't in any good conscience say it's a recommend. I was thoroughly entertained, though. I, I know exactly where you're coming from, and I would never try and dissuade you otherwise, but when it finished for me, I was like, that was kind of rad. <laughs> I hate myself for it. I fucking hate myself for it. Um, and it was refreshing to watch a movie that didn't have a band playing an entire song in the middle, so I will give it props for that. That's true, it didn't have that. Didn't yeah, we finally, finally broke that spell. <laughs> uh, right, let's, let's bring it in then. Um... Uh, you know what we do here, Mark. The listeners may have forgotten, though. We do a particular weird sort of grading over here, which doesn't actually assign a value to the movie out with whether or not we think it is meritable for censor at the time. So we kind of try and use like our, our 80s eyes um, and try and put ourselves in the position. Uh, the ratings are, if we think it is truly horrendous, and I mean horrendous as in full of content which will scar the audience, then we would say that it gets some hard time. If we think that, you know, it's it's kind of, it's above the average amount of uh, transcendio violence that we would expect in a movie, then we're, we're going to give it, you know, you know, a little bit of that uh, community service. If we think that the movie really has like one thing in it that's maybe a little bit kind of risque, it's a slap on the wrist. And if the movie like is just like just fluff with no substance, then it's a case dismissed. Um, to me, I'm going to be honest, like even with those bodies, which I, I mean, we are both speculating those are real bodies. If they were real bodies, then with that Mondo footage, it's maybe a slap on the wrists because it's not hugely long. Um, I'm kind of I'm erring towards Case Dismissed, if I'm honest. I think those two scenes are spaced relatively far into the movie and even then they weren't... They had me wondering if it was or wasn't like real footage. Not to the point where I was like, I'm, you know, 100% sure it is or it isn't. In the same way that, you know, Cannibal Holocaust does the same thing when it comes to the, the actual tribal violence, where you're like, that. did I just see someone die? No, you did not see someone die. You saw animals die, but you didn't see people die. So I'm kind of on that boat, and with that, I'm, I'm kind of coming in with a case dismissed. What about yourself? Are you thinking something higher, something stronger, or are you doubling down with me? Uh... I think this is a slap on the wrist for me because, like, like you said, it's ninety percent of this is tame as hell and could easily pass for a TV movie kind of thing. But the footage of the fucking what I'm I'm leaning more towards. I think these are probably like this is stock footage that they bought from some fucking weirdo, and uh, 
it, it, it pops up in the first, like at about the five minute mark at the beginning, we yeah. get a little bit of it and it's like, oh, that's pretty gnarly. And I'm like, it goes back to the thing. I'm like, they watched the first five minutes and saw that shit and we're like, nope, banned. But then they do it again, like, and it really, like, they bring the movie to a grinding halt in the fucking middle <laughs> of it to show every second of this footage that they got. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It, it 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 angers me a little bit more just because like they they had to do it a second time, and like this this bad boring crappy movie made me look at fucking footage of what I'm pretty sure dead people, which usually like mm-hmm. you gotta earn that shit, you know? Like it's yeah yeah no, no you're I, right. I don't flip out about stuff like this very often if it fucking earns it, but this movie did not fucking earn it. Like I said, that's like really almost the only mention of any kind of suicide cult or like any kind of like the cult is barely in it. Most of this is like people talking in fucking science lab type of shit. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, the, the, the fact that this movie made me look at dead bodies and the rest of it's boring as hell is like uh, you're, you're getting at least a, a pretty firm slap on the wrist and then I'm going to send you on your way. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, that was um, Suicide Cult, a.k.a. The Astrologer. We have another movie to discuss. This one, fairly well beloved, and I was convinced I'd seen it before. And if anyone has listened to the podcast Under the Stairs episode, you will know that I was quickly mistaken. Because when I sat down and watched this, I was like, no, I've never seen this movie. Uh, we're going to be doing Christmas Evil. But before we get to that, you're going to hear learned people speak about Christmas Evil, telling you maybe why it appeared on that nasty list. You're then going to hear the trailer when we return. Myself and Mark are going to be discussing that movie right after. Evil, a film made in 1980 by Lewis Jackson, who would rather you called it You Better Watch Out. I actually think that's a much better title too. Partly because Christmas Evil just... It got it lumped in. I mean, there's a film called New Year's Evil, which is the same joke. But there were a whole bunch of other films. Everybody knows the, you know, the Silent Night, Deadly Night films, the, the Psycho Santa slasher pictures. Christmas Evil is just a lot better than those films, but it's also a lot more ambitious. It's not just the simple guy in a Santa suit, you know, impales people on reindeer antlers type movies, much as we love those kind of pictures. Uh, it's a much more intriguing and complicated film about the meaning of Christmas and that whole thing about, you know, naughty or nice. Uh, and it's about a guy who believes in Christmas so much uh, that he eventually goes crazy and starts uh, punishing people who who defile the spirit of Christmas uh, in a sort of vigilante, Travis Bickle kind of way. But also, uh, and, and this is a massive spoiler, at the end it seems that he really is Santa Claus, yeah, uh, in the, that uh, his, uh, his van crashes into the river but flies off like the sleigh uh, to prove that he's believed in Christmas so much he's actually become Santa. And it's a it's a very witty film for a you know, a low budget, grotty, grungy New York independent picture. It was produced by uh, Ed Pressman, who has a really interesting track record. He, he, he backed Sisters and Conan the Barbarian because he had the rights to that for years and years. But his fortune came from the Pressman Toy Company, so they were able to use his toy factory and his products to, bu- to bulk out the, the Christmasiness of it. There's a remarkable central performance from Brendan Maggot, who isn't quite fat enough to play 
Santa. Uh, the original casting was um, George Zunza, who later became a familiar character actor. He's the big, fat, sweaty guy in lots and lots of films. He's in um, Basic Instinct, for instance. But he, um, he fell out with the director during pre-production, so he got bumped. And Brandon Maggot stepped in to get, I think, the role of a lifetime. He's also somebody who's very familiar. He turns up in lots of little parts in, in, in bigger pictures. Uh, but he really grabs this one. His brother is played by Jeffrey DeMunn, who's another now very familiar character actor. He's a favourite of the director, Frank Darabont, who puts him in everything he made. Um, but you see, he, he was once young, you know, which, which uh, is something you get with character actors occasionally. When you see the, the film they shockingly made before, they became the grizzled grey old guy that, that they're now known for playing. It's a film that's had an on-off reputation. Um, it got hauled in a bit with the crackdown on tasteless Santa slashers. Then people looked at it and said, actually, I'm not even sure if... if this is the right genre pigeonhole we've got it in. There ought to be somewhere else for kind of truly demented spirit of Christmas film. John Waters is a, is a great admirer of it, and so am I. I you know, I've always said that it's one of the best of the Christmas horror films. I put it in, in its box probably with Gremlins or A Christmas Story or Black Christmas. It's had a, a certain revival of late it's a film that's now available in a much nicer dvd edition than the uh, the, the the rather rather grimy video release that we're celebrating here this was an Ivor Film Services uh, release they build themselves as from pinewood which is the heart of british film industry i'm sure they had a yeah prefab unit somewhere near pinewood I have a funny feeling this was one of those videos that just got hauled in because of the company's other product. They had Night the Bloody Apes and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, and some much gorier pictures. Uh, it may well have, have ticked off the, the hot button of it being about Christmas. And there was a, in America, there was this weird scandal about, yeah, make, the, the horror of making a horror film about Christmas as if it had never been done before. In fact, I mean, you know, those of us who grew up with, you know, Joan Collins being strangled in Tales from the Crypt and all that kind of stuff, I thought, this is just an old idea. Why are you upset now? But they were over Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I think Christmas Evil kind of got scooped in with that. Though, as with a lot of the, the films we're talking about here, in the long term, being tarred with this brush was not a bad thing um, because it made the movies more collectible. It made people seek them out. And those on the list that had certain qualities, that meant that at least people saw it. It wasn't the thing you get when you track down final exam and you think, huh? <laughs> this upset somebody? Uh, and then you forget it completely. Uh, it was, uh, ooh, this upset somebody. And you know what? It's actually quite a good film. he'd be happy that we remembered him. This Christmas, Santa's <laughs> going to make everyone happy. The grown-ups. And the kids. Christmas evil. The non-believers. 
and the screamers. And this Christmas, you better believe in Santa, or he'll slay you. Merry Christmas, Frank. Christmas Evil, the night he dropped in. And welcome back. She just heard the trailer for Christmas Evil, a.k.a. You Better Watch Out, uh, which apparently, apparently from what I've read online, is the preferred title. I think that's what John Waters refers to it as as well. And we're going to get to John Waters in a second. Um, this is written and directed by Lewis Jackson. Uh, the, the Blu-ray that I've got of this, that 88 Films put out, has a commentary with the director and John Waters, which just blows my mind that John Waters is like, yeah, I'll do a commentary for this movie I had nothing to do with. <laughs> just like, just I'll sit me down, I'll speak to the director. Anyway, um, that's an aside. Uh, this, <laughs> uh, this movie stars, let's see, well, written, directed by Lewis Jackson, stars Brandon Maggart, uh, Jeffrey Denum, uh, who's very young in this, uh, Diane Hull, Andy Fenwick. I'm seeing very young, he's still balding in it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to quantify that. Uh, Diane Hull, Andy Fenwick, Brian Neville, Joe Jamrog, which that sounds like a bad cocktail. I'll have a, I'll have a Jamrog, please. Um, <laughs> That's when you're out of letters and Scrabble. Like, yeah, it's a Jamrog. Jamrog, yes, it is a ancient Viking horn. Um, there you go. Uh, uh, Wally Morin, Gus Sold, and some other folks are in here. Let's not spend too much time on this. Synopsis for this one is a toy factory worker, mentally scarred as a child upon learning Santa Claus is not real, suffers a nervous breakdown after being belittled at work and embarks on a yuletide killing spree. That is your synopsis. Um, I, I feel like I've already spoken about this already today, so I just want to get my thoughts out again. Um, this came out the same year as Maniac, which surprises me because in watching this, I got heavy Maniac vibes. Um, it is similar. But Maniac is infinitely better. Um, and I'll tell you why. I've, I've already upset people on the other show. Let me upset people on this show as well. I thought Christmas Evil was okay. Um, I thought it had some interesting, interesting sorts of ideas, like the idea of like someone being so impassioned by like the season of Christmas, um, and you know retaining a bit of trauma in the background from when he basically thought he saw um, Santa diddling his mum. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, it was his dad, but he thought it was Santa. Um, which, you know, that mentally scarred him, that stuck with him. The idea of anyone kind of besmutching the ideas and ideals of the Christmas season itself would prompt him to go postal, I think is what they call it in the States. Um, yeah. I mean, on paper, I kind of like that as an idea. The problem with Christmas Evil is... I think it struggles with what it actually wants to be. I mean, it's in that slasher collection. I don't think it's a slasher movie. Um, mostly because we're spending the majority of the time with the killer. 
which I always think that takes out of the slasher realm. Like, I wouldn't say Maniac is a slasher movie either, because you spend the majority of time with the killer. I think part and parcel of a slasher movie is the not knowing who the killer is aspect. Um, but that's just my personal thoughts. Uh, I like the cinematography. I think it has that really traditional, soft, kind of Christmassy feel about it. But by God, are we not like 40 minutes into this movie before someone fucking dies? And that is criminal. And then once, you know, once he kills someone at the 40 minute mark in public, you know, just like fucking stabs a guy in the eye and hits him in the head with an axe, you then have to wait like about another 25 to 30 minutes before there's more death in this movie. And that to me is kind of fucking criminal. Like once the death has happened, he's clearly off his rocker at that point we should not then be like oh well now he's having a moral quandary about whether or not he should be a killer like you've killed in front of yep. people you're a killer right. now you know what I mean like it's, it's like and the the, the, the toy in with that I think the central performance by Brandon Maggart is actually really good I think he's a very much like Joe Spinell I think he's a he's a sort of character where I feel like he is going through the turmoil that he's going through but once again Am I supposed to feel sorry for this guy? Or am I supposed to condemn this guy? The movie kind of doesn't really take a stance on it. And I, I have a problem with that. Like, he's bullied. So I, I instantly have, like, sympathy for him. But then he goes around murdering people. So I instantly don't have sympathy for him. So I kind of feel there's a bit of a disconnect there. I think the dialogue in this movie is pretty bad. <laughs> like, if I'm being honest, he's a good actor. But the dialogue is a bit a bit chunky um, and a bit like you know like we can you could parse it out and make it feel a bit more human I don't think anyone out with a uh, Maggart himself feels like a real character uh, Jeffrey Dunham who like I say is is great in The Walking Dead and God knows what else he's been is it The Walking Dead he's in he's in Walking Dead isn't he uh, I think yeah like the first season yeah and he's in uh, what do you call it he's in like The Mist and stuff yeah um, he's a bunch of Darabont stuff yeah, so he's really, like, he's really good as the pained brother who just wants a brother who's not a fucking lunatic whose house is dressed up in Christmas attire 24-7-365, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I thought he was pretty good. But then there's whole scenes here which make, like, little to no sense at all, can, you know, contextualising it in the real world. Like the dad who just happens to have a flick blade in his pocket for when he's out walking with his friends, with their kids. Um, or like the scene where you have a lot of Tim's folk recreating Frankenstein as you run down the street <laughs> with lit pitchforks. I mean, it's just like, what what are we doing here? And then I think the, the most interesting aspect for me is the ending, which I don't think necessarily works, but I think with a little bit of tweaking would really work. Like the idea of him going off the you know the, the the railings at the end and then the van flying away as if it was Santa silly. Um I think to me that personally signifies how gone he is as a character that he's imagining that I did a bit of reading online because I felt quite resolute in my opinion and a lot of people think it's the other way around they think it's like he believes in Christmas so much that he's transcending and I'm like well that's shitty Um to me, it's like it's a clear indication that he's mentally snapped, and I kind of would have liked more of that. You know, like like the idea, kind of almost American Psycho esque. He attacks that 
that group of people out on the streets with you know hits the guy with the axe that you know later on there's no report in the paper or something you know something in the movie which clearly shows the guy is mentally disconnected and it doesn't do any of that it just kind of like he breaks into a house and he <laughs> smothers a guy uh, using his Santa sack um it's basically a giant tea bag death uh, as he holds <laughs> like holds it over this guy's face and he's thrashing around right beside his wife who doesn't fucking stir at all doesn't move um, and then kills him with a nasty nick to the throat from a ornament from a Christmas tree and you know what I mean like there's there's some cool ideas here but like overall I just found that I mean it's like an hour and 35 an hour and 40 minutes long it, it felt like a chore to get through and a lot of that was every time they gave you a cool death I felt this movie was putting the brakes on with let's see him in the toy factory let's be at the toy factory for 10 minutes <laughs> let's see him in his house let's see him in his house for 10 minutes and I'm like let's get this thing going let's move it up we, we, we've seen him snap I want to see him snap now and there's a couple of really cool scenes but overall as a movie I just I found it very dry and like I say I, I like the concept behind it I just think the execution isn't great so that's my thoughts I will now shut the fuck up and Mark you can tell us all about what you made of Christmas Evil um I, I think I'm kind of on the same page I, I, I had seen this before I've got the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray of this I think I got it for like 10 bucks during one of their sales and I tried watching it during Christmas time last year or the year before or somewhere around in there. And this is a hardcore feel bad movie. It's like intensely ugly in spirit and in visuals. I think like, like, like you said, it does have that like kind of soft lit, like, uh, you know, emphasis on like twinkly lights kind of shit that yeah. like a lot of Christmas movies do. But uh, the the locations and the actors and the costumes and everything about it's really ugly and mm. it's overly mean spirited I think kind of which I think is kind of part why John Waters really likes this <laughs> it is it does revel in its fucking how demented it actually is and like does I think does a really good job of like oh here's all these like cute and fluffy and warm and fuzzy kind of ideas that you have of Christmas well here's a fucking psychopath that is like completely snapped that's going to just kind of invert all of that like this is this is like a, a, a traditional christmas movie shot in negative kind of uh and yeah. I, I i gotta give them balls for that like it's it's like this i think this movie pissed people off pretty bad when it came out like this and <laughs> silent like night it. deadly night like when when you come for the fucking when you come for the Christmas movies, you're gonna piss off the Christians like real bad. So, oh yeah, well uh, you can't you can't you can't have like you can't have cups in Starbucks <laughs> which don't say Christmas on it. You know what I mean? Like, are they get you know you're gonna you're gonna get a little bit of anger. That's what I'm saying. You know what yeah, I mean? And at its core, this this is a this is a bad Santa movie. This is if if Santa was a fucking if Santa was the Joker, basically. That was another movie that I was like. God damn, the Joker ripped this movie off. There's a lot of like beat for beat kind of parallels, and I'm just not a fan of movies like that. Like this, this goes way the hell back to like the Love Butcher, where it's like the yeah. abused nerd that finally fucking snaps. I hate these fucking kind of movies. I really just despise <laughs> the idea of them. 
and it just angers me thinking about that part of it. And especially since this this kid's like trauma is like he's a fucking prude basically. Like his trauma comes from seeing his fucking parents like starting to get freaky. Like that's not enough to turn somebody into a fucking psychopath or a serial killer. <laughs> and every kid experiences like the crushing moment of finding out that like the Santa parents Claus fuck yeah. yeah well, I was going to say like oh, everyone <laughs> we're going like in every... different directions there I mean that too but like I was talking more about Santa Claus how did I get here I got here because they did what <laughs> I mean there's that yeah of course which like yeah every kid goes through that and very 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 few of them become serial killers uh, same, same with the Santa Claus thing. Like, I, I highly, especially nowadays, I highly doubt there's kids that give that much of a shit about Christmas. That like mm. finding out Santa is their fucking dad or whatever, and seeing yeah. him diddling their fucking mom dresses. <laughs> that's that's not enough. Like that's, and then he's like, you know, he works a shit fucking factory job. His coworkers are mean to him. Wah wah wah. That's the, that's <laughs> fucking all of us. We are all just cogs in the fucking death machine of industry get fucking used to it like that's I'm, I'm not gonna go out and hatchet somebody in the face or fucking you know start killing people because of that I, that's not mm. enough so the, that, those parts of this movie kind of piss me off I, I don't know like, like, like I said I, I do kind of respect the balls on this movie because it like just it gives no fucks about your feelings and mm -hmm. it's like uh uh I don't know. I guess that's 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 really kind of about it. This is this is not one that like I uh, usually by Christmas time I'm so goddamn burnt out on horror movies because I watch just an insane amount of them between like August and the end of October that I'm usually watching other stuff. But if I'm gonna put on like a Christmas horror movie kind of, mm -hmm. there are way better choices than this one. I would go with like rare exports yeah. or d dial code santa claus or i mean if if you want if like you're having like a bad movie night in december or so put on silent night deadly night 2 it's like hilariously bad like this this yeah. i didn't really get any of it. this movie just most mostly made me feel bad yeah i, I think like the, I'm, I'm i'm yeah i think we're kind of in the i think we're in the same same boat i think overall i i think like i see there were there were things that Having now spoken about it twice today, um, there's little stylistic things that I love. I love the like the usual suspects kind of <laughs> set up of all the Santas and the you know in the um, the identification room, you know, in the police department where they're in the lineup. Like I love that because <laughs> I just like imagine one of them doing the <laughs> you know, give me the keys, motherfucker. <laughs> the Benicio del Toro give it a fucking kill the motherfucker <laughs> you know I just like I had that in the back like when I was watching it and it, there is part of me that gets a sick kind of like smile on my face like having Santa's all lined up fake Santa's all lined up having to use the same kind of Christmas line about <laughs> like <laughs> goodwill to all men uh, right now you say it number three like those sort of things I thought like in parts it was a surprisingly clever movie and I, I'm with you I think actually the balls probably because it isn't like Silent Night Deadly Night or anything like that because it isn't a slasher it isn't just like a right, we have a guy out there killing people who's just a escape lunatic with it in the case of this one they're trying to give you the backstory for it I'm kind of with you. The backstory just doesn't really work um, for me overall. It feels a bit kind of like, uh, 
and then you get what you get in it. Overall, it's yeah, like I said, I gave it a two point five out of five on the, the teapot scale, and I, I, I double down with that. Even speaking with you on it, I just think. I can see probably why it stands out and probably why it gets a bit of love and totally I'm with you I can see why John Waters probably thinks this is like the film you should watch at Christmas time uh, which I think is his quote I think his quote is forget it's a wonderful life and white Christmas watch Christmas Evil um, <laughs> yours John Waters like uh, which sounds very much like John Waters so um, yeah I mean let's let's talk about grades this to me is a slap on the wrist because that, like you see, there's an there is a, a yucky feel to this movie, um, but I don't think the violence ever goes to an extent where I'm like, well, that's kind of graphic to show on the TV. It doesn't you know? It doesn't it doesn't go there. It's all very kind of 1980s practical effects. The likes of we don't have Tom Savini doing you know head explosions yet. Um, so yeah, and like I say, it is, it is mean spirited, but it's mean spirited in a way that I would expect from a movie called Christmas Evil. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a slap on the wrist. What about yourself? Where are you coming in? I I, I think I'm the same. This is a slap on the wrist. It's got that awful 3M fucking bright fluorescent red <laughs> blood in it, and it really doesn't even have very much of that. Like it's, yeah. it's relatively bloodless. I, most of the most of the offensive stuff in this is like very psychological and like more like in tone kind of thing. And the fact that like you can't really, it's hard to do a Christmas movie without. Uh, having children in it to a certain degree yep. and there is like you know threats of children you know ch- children being threatened with violence kind of in this to a degree mm. and like the super weird scene where he's like peeping on all the kids with fucking binoculars and the one yeah. kid is like cutting out titty pictures out of a porno mag or whatever and it was like all right yeah you're 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 you've also got like you know child sexuality type of stuff in there and like how yeah. it's naughty that this kid is like obsessed with boobs or whatever his age I, I, all i could think of was like there's absolutely no way the director of pcs did not see christmas evil you know what uh, i mean yeah there, yeah i i hadn't even thought about that yeah <laughs> it's just it must be weird, weird morals between the two kind of and yeah weird <laughs> weird things they're saying about sexuality kind of yeah like even even down to the death by axe like that you know they do at the beginning the pieces just made me think all oh, right he saw this movie um <laughs> we, like just like strange even the cinematography actually that one scene we're not going to go down that rabbit hole uh, so yeah that that is us both coming in with a slap on the wrists for christmas evil we are going to take our final break ladies and gents you're going to hear promos for shows that i love when we return though we will be uh bringing the show into a, a nice conclusion by letting you know what the next two films will be discussing in April. And uh, just let me put the stall out and say, one of these movies is what I call um, best in show in the horror category. It is in my top three horror movies ever fucking made. So we will find out what that is right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. 
And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Season 2, Episode number 15. We have been chatting about Suicide Cult, a.k.a. The Astrologer, and you better watch out, a.k.a. Christmas Evil from 1980. Mark, we are we are strapping ourselves in for a movie I adore and one that I have never heard of before, but if memory serves way back in the day, you seemed excited about this. So both of these movies came out roughly about the same time. And uh, let's start with the one from 78. Uh, next week we'll be discussing the X-rated two-hour movie, The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. Directed by Fred Shakespeare. I don't know how you pronounce his surname. Um, Jimmy Blacksmith, the son of an Aboriginal mother and a white father, falls victim to much racial abuse after marrying a white woman and then goes on a killing spree and finds himself on the run in the aftermath. How do you know this movie? Because I have never heard of it before. Uh, I don't. I actually don't know if I know this movie. I remember talking to in the Facebook group about this movie with <clears throat> probably uh, probably mm. Tony or Richard or one of the dudes that knows a lot about all these movies. And I was, uh, I don't know. I'm sure I was saying some kind of fucking. <laughs> I was bemoaning the the racial violence that I'm anticipating in this movie. And somebody I think was just like, oh, it's not as bad as you think it is. And actually, this movie's pretty okay. Yeah, it's got a um, relatively uh, high I, rating I, online. Um, even on IMDb, it holds a seven, which is a lot higher than the majority of the movies we've discussed. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll find out with we, this one. We will indeed, we will find out. We will be doubling it with a little movie which came out the year before, also had an X rating. Um, this one is by Dario Argento. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be finally reaching Suspiria. Um, oh, yeah, shit. oh yeah. Well, it's time to get our geek caps on and talk about that goblin score and talk about the room full of fucking razor wire. And the dog that just goes crazy and attacks yeah. its owner for no fucking reason because it's our gentle baby. It's our gentle. <laughs> I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Oh, dude, it's going to be amazing. So, yeah, uh, uh, a mixed bag for sure. Uh, Suspiria with all its wild colours and mentalness. Uh, and the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, which sounds like a like a really emotional sort of roller coaster sort of movie. I'm really looking forward to this now. Um, it's class as the crime drama. Uh, whereas Suspiria is classed as horror and that's all um, so that is what we're doing in uh, one month's time um, Mark, before we before we leave though you do things, people can see those things online, they're great, you share them tell people where they can check them out uh, so probably the best place to follow me right now is on Twitter that's uh, the fancy mark uh, same with Instagram the fancy mark although I haven't been posting on there quite as much uh, been trying to post in the Facebook group uh, it's for doing the nasty just search that in groups and you should be able to find it although I do periodically get kicked off of Facebook and have to uh, take a little sabbatical and go post things elsewhere from the Facebook because that's how it works now um <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, I've been online a fair amount the last, you know, month or so, but also real life has been fucking crazy, kind of, so, hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I guess while you're waiting for episodes of this show to come out, go check out Tony over on the Video Nasty Project on YouTube, uh, they put out episodes, I think, like, once a week, and they're going through both, uh, all three Video Nasty lists in alphabetical order, and they do, like, a video, mm-hmm. video show type of 
deal for that. Uh, it's good stuff. Go check them out. Um, I think that's I think that's about it. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but oh well. No, that sounds that sounds about right. We are we are planning on having him on for a kind of crossover at some point. He did he did give me the suggestion of what movie I wanted to discuss, but I think that's quite far away on my list. So I'm going to see if I can renegotiate with him to try and get him on because I think the movie he wanted to do we're not going to be it's not officially on our list to discuss till next year. So and that kind of feels like a long way away. So I'm going to try and see if I can ping something out to him and, and maybe attract him on uh, for one of the upcoming shows because uh, it'd be good to get him on his stuff is really good so you should go and support that as well and like Mark says Mark is really good at like doing stuff for the Facebook group page I have about 20 Facebook group pages so I, I tend not to be as active unless someone tags me in something uh, but yeah I, I you know go across post some, some stuff there Mark's kind of trying to curate a list of where to see these movies as and when they appear on YouTube before they disappear off YouTube. Um, it does feel that whenever you post it though, like some algorithm somewhere like that, they know it's online. <laughs> Get rid of it. Yep, there's too many people watching it. What the fuck is this? Pretty much, which is, I like to think that we are shaping our own destiny, Mark. Um, so uh, that's that's a, a heady, lofty thing to close on, and I, I like it. Um, yeah, we'll be back in one month's time to do this all over again. Suspiria and the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. Until then, please take care of yourselves out there. Uh, we'll be back to speak to you real soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.